Hello there everyone, I'm Rob, a producer on the Black Country Talking News, and this week's edition is for the 5th of October 2022. Hello and welcome to the Black Country Talking News, brought to you by the sight loss charity Beacon Centre. We're pleased to confirm that the Talking News is now available via Alexa. Once you've enabled the Talking Newspapers skill, all you need to do is play Talking Newspapers and ask for the Black Country Talking News. Our Talking News service is also available via the free Wireless for the Blind app. It can be found on the Beacon Centre website www.beaconvision.org forward slash talking dash news. As a podcast via services such as Apple or Spotify or as a free CD, simply contact Beacon Centre on 01902-880-111. We hope you enjoy this week's edition. Thank you, Christine. Speaking for us this week, we have myself, Rob, Mina, Ian, Roger, Helen, Angela, Christine, Liz, the gardening guru, Mary, Pete, Ed, and of course, Flashback Roger. In this week's edition, we have an update from Beacon, some local news from the black country. We have the quiz with Mina, news from Wolves and West Bromwich Albion, a did you know section from Flashback Roger, the weather, the October Lifestyle Newsletter featuring the gardening guru, and rounding us off, we have a poem. However, we start this week with our guess the sound question. I'm going to play a sound clip, and all you have to do is simply guess what it is. So, here's this week's clip. Have a think on that, and Mina will reveal the answer later, alongside the usual quiz answers. We have now then, as always, some local news, brought to us by Ed, Liz, Ian, first up, it's Christine. Police forces from across the region have arrested five people for alleged cases of fraud and money laundering. The five people were arrested as part of a joint national investigation service, Staffordshire Police, West Midlands Police, Devon and Cornwall Police and the NCA investigation into alleged cases of fraud and money laundering of public sector funds totalling approximately £1 million. The arrests took place at various locations on Thursday and were for fraudulent claims from money intended to support businesses during the pandemic, namely the Bounce Back Loan Scheme. Three females aged 25, 28 and 30 and two males aged 30 and 31 were arrested for conspiracy to commit fraud, fraud by false representation and money laundering offences. Michael Deneen, Deputy Director Head of Crime Operations at the National Investigation Service said, The teams of the National Investigation Service, as well as colleagues in policing, are executing search warrants all over the country, ensuring that those that commit fraud against the schemes the government announced during the pandemic are brought to justice. I am sure that these funds would have been used to fund further criminal activity, which harms communities up and down the country. My officers will continue this great work and ensure wherever possible people are arrested, 
charged and the money taken from the public purse is recovered. Officers also executed two search warrants at addresses in Staffordshire and Derbyshire, with evidence being seized, including electronic devices and paperwork. The fraud involved an organised crime group fraudulently securing COVID-19 business bounce-back loans using false information to obtain public sector funds from a number of financial institutions. The suspects have been released under investigation whilst inquiries continue. The chief executive of the Black Country Living Museum has been handpicked to chair a new tourism board with the mission of improving visitor numbers to the West Midlands. The new West Midlands Tourism and Hospitality Advisory Board will include members of the tourism and hospitality industry and will advise West Midlands Mayor Andy Street. The new board will replace and build on the work of the West Midlands Regional Board for Tourism, which was set up in 2020. The board will be chaired by Andrew Lovett, Chief Executive of the Black Country Living Museum, who has 30 years of leadership experience working across the museums, leisure, tourism, arts, heritage and protected landscape sectors. Andrew Lovett said, We have launched the search for enthusiastic, knowledgeable and committed team players to join our new West Midlands Tourism and Hospitality Advisory Board who can successfully represent the geography, diversity and inclusivity of our region's magnificently varied and unique visitor economy. This is a fantastic opportunity for people who want to make a difference, are passionate about tourism and hospitality and are leaders in their visitor-facing fields, whether it's accommodation, food and drink, transport, events, performance, entertainment or attractions. He added, in 2022, the West Midlands has been in the global spotlight like never before. We want to build a new board which keeps the region in its rightful place at the forefront of the national and international visitor economy landscape. Andy Street, Mayor of the West Midlands said, introducing a West Midlands Tourism and Hospitality Advisory Board will help us to double down on our natural strengths, draw on our wealth of local expertise and work together to tackle the challenges facing the industry. A pop-up vaccination clinic in a Wolverhampton shopping centre is seeing um, an amazing response to the autumn booster campaign. People aged 65 and over have had messages telling them they are now eligible for a COVID-19 booster vaccine. And over at the pop-up clinic in Wolverhampton Manda Centre, people are lining up to get themselves protected against the virus. Francesca Aqua, a clinical lead at the clinic, said, We've had lots of people coming in. We started off around 75 a day, and now we're at 120. It's fantastic. The numbers have been amazing. Overall, we can accommodate 170 people a day. We started off with people aged 65 and over, but now we're doing health workers, the clinically vulnerable, and people over 52. The 46-year-old has been a nurse for 23 years and worked on the wards throughout the entirety of the pandemic. For Francesca, the difference between patients suffering from COVID pre- and post-vaccines has been extraordinary. She said, I worked through the whole pandemic and worked on COVID wards without the vaccine. 
Before the vaccines, someone would die every night. Francesco went on to say, For me, the most important thing is making sure people are protected. Each and everybody has a responsibility to themselves and to others to get vaccinated. As long as we can get as many people vaccinated as possible, that's all that matters. West Midlands Police spent more than £500,000 last season policing games at Wolves and Villa, according to new figures. In 2021-22, the force forked out £542,000 of taxpayers' cash on officers for games at Molyneux and Villa Park, according to data from a Freedom of Information request. Clubs are only required to pay for policing on their footprint, such as inside the ground and on club car parks. It means the cost of police patrolling nearby streets and at sites such as railway stations is taken from the public purse. West Midlands Police and Crime Commissioner Simon Foster said, while the force had a duty to make sure fans felt safe, it expects to cover its costs over the course of a season. Last season, almost £280,000 was spent on police at Villa, while the Wolves' bill was 262000 Villa saw 27 arrests across the season, while Wolves had 20. The figures include one man who was arrested when violence erupted at Wolverhampton Railway Station after the two clubs clashed at Molyneux in April. There were four arrests for possession of cocaine at the two grounds last season, one at Villa Park and three at Molyneux. PCC Mr Foster said... Football deployments are made in line with individual contracts with each club. All are based on agreed threat and risk analysis that categorises each fixture. The Ipswich ruling found that police forces can charge football clubs only for officers deployed on the stadium footprint, inside the ground and in the immediate area around it. Of course, in reality, officers also have to police approaches to the stadium and transport hubs on certain match days too. It is only right that supporters expect to feel safe on their way to and from stadiums. Members of the Communication Workers' Union walked out, hitting deliveries of post across the country. As the latest set of strikes begin, Royal Mail workers have expressed their concern for their households amid timetable changes and a forced 2% pay rise. So far, around 115,000 staff have walked out in protest, but staff are now concerned about the loss of family life. Phil Reed, 56, from Wensfield, who is spokesman for the strike action at Wolverhampton and who works as a communication workers' union sub-representative of delivery, said, We need the pay. Royal Mail has enforced this pay rise without talking to us and they think that's good enough. What's worse is now the Royal Mail is attacking our terms and conditions. The senior managers want us on the streets until 8 or 9 at night. We have staff who have families and children. What will they do? The change comes as the company attempts to modernise to compete with industry powerhouses Yodel and Parcel Force. This year, Royal Mail posted a £92 million loss, which the delivery service blames on customer demands and the current competitiveness of the market. Mr Reid warns that further disruptions and changes could prolong the protests. He said, We fully understand that this could go on into Christmas. We don't want that to happen, but we know we have the public on our side. We aren't opposed to change. We are opposed to changes that aren't in our interest and take place without our consultation. 
We're in this for the long haul. We are all in this till the end. Up next, we hear from Helen, who of course has for us the Beacon Update. Hi everyone, it's Helen from the Beacon Centre with your regular update. And firstly, welcome to October. Now, I don't know about you, but I think I can definitely feel it getting a bit colder. I'm getting my winter coat out soon. However, you can let your light shine with Beacon this month. If you want to try something new, our lifestyle team have got plenty of activities penciled in, such as swimming, tandem biking, fishing and bowling, plus much, much more. You can ask our team if you visit our centre about it or also head to our website to find out more www.beaconvision.org forward slash what's hyphen on hyphen October hyphen 2022. Next up, our block switch shop will be closed from Thursday, October the 6th for refurbishment works. We're so excited to be able to share the new look with you when it reopens in about three and a half weeks time. But before we close, we're offering offering 50% off all clothes between Monday, October the 3rd and Wednesday, October the 5th. If you want to grab yourself a beacon bargain, you can find the location of all our shops on our website at www.beaconvision.org forward slash shops. Now, can you help brighten someone's day? We're looking for people willing to volunteer half an hour of their time each week to become a telephone befriender and help make a difference. To find out more about how to sign up, call 01902 880 or email inquiries at beaconvision.org. You can also use that number or email address if you'd like to sign up to receive a call as well. Now, lastly this week, have you heard about our Bright for Sight campaign yet? To take part, all you need to do is wear a bright outfit on Thursday, October the 13th, our Bright for Sight day. Donate what you can to the Beacon Centre and if you're online, you can tag us in your pictures on social media with the hashtag Bright for Beacon. It's an easy way to show your support and help spread the message that bright colours and good contrast can help make people to make the most of their site. You can give us a ring to find out more on 01902 880 111 or head to our website www.beaconvision.org/bright-for-site. That's it for this week. I'll be back again soon. Bye bye. Thank you for the update, Helen. Up now, we have a new block of local news. And kicking this one off, it's Christine. Charging Dudley residents to collect green waste over the winter will create a two-tier borough of the haves and have-nots, a councillor has warned. Dudley Council collects green waste for free between March and November, but has told residents they can have fortnightly winter collections for £30. Cradley and Wollescott councillor Richard Boddy believes almost no one will pay for the collections in his ward, but well-off areas will have collections. During a trial last year, more than 1,000 people paid for their green waste to be collected between November and March. Councillor Boddy said, People should not be charged to have their waste collected, and I am sure there were will be almost no green bins put out in Cradley and Wollescott and wards similar to mine. 
This will create a two-tier system where richer areas of Dudley Borough will have their green waste collected, but other areas people will dump their green waste because they can't afford to pay the collection fee. He added, at the very least, they should extend the free collections for two weeks. People will need to get rid of garden waste as spring begins. In neighbouring Sandwell, green waste is collected for free, but this week Dudley residents were reminded they will be charged £30 for six extra fortnightly green waste collections between November and March. Councillor Rob Clinton, Cabinet Member for Waste Management and Climate Change, said... Winter is just around the corner now and as such we wanted to remind residents of this extended opportunity to secure six additional fortnightly collections throughout winter. The collections will suit residents who enjoy gardening throughout the year, providing them with a convenient way to dispose of their garden waste. He added, As previously stated, we will continue to provide our free 32-week collection service irrespective of whether people opt in for these extra collections or not. Wolverhampton has almost 25,000 fuel-poor properties where people are struggling to heat their homes. Housing bosses in Wolverhampton have outlined a series of actions to address poor energy-performing homes in the city in response to the growing costs of living crisis. Interim Service Manager for Housing Strategy and Police, Karen Beasley, said, We're hearing all the time about households choosing whether to eat or heat. According to the council's own figures, there are just under 25,000 properties in in both the social and private housing sector in Wolverhampton classed as fuel poor. Ms Beasley said, To support these privately owned properties within the city council, we've got our private sector housing team that works to improve the quality of properties that are privately rented to tenants. That allows them to live in a safe and healthy environment, free from hazards and also addresses issues such as damp and mould. She said the council has been successful in winning £1.8 million in grant funding for a number of schemes to support those private households and is concentrating this round of schemes on the Blakenall Ward. The funds that we have been awarded will provide improvements such as loft insulation, floor and internal wall insulation and external wall insulation, she said. She added three years ago, Wolverhampton declared a climate emergency. 35% of the city's carbon footprint is produced by domestic buildings through electricity and heating. So we've got an issue to address there. Our City, Our Plan supports the climate agenda in the delivery of goods, homes, in well-connected neighbourhoods and health and inclusive communities. And that is further backed by the Housing Strategy 2019-24, which is committed to the delivery of better homes for all, which brings in new build properties that will be built to modern day standards. A Black Country Council has made free call blockers available to all residents to help protect them from phone scams. Dudley Council Scams Unit has seen a number of scams reported in recent weeks which claim to offer financial support to people with their energy bills. Anyone with a landline who is receiving persistent nuisance calls can apply for a free call blocker. Traditionally, the call blockers have been given to vulnerable residents who are targeted by financial criminals, but the team has now opened it to anyone concerned about being targeted. The call blockers are installed for just a few months in people's homes 
to allow them to block numbers from suspicious callers by pressing a big red button. It often dramatically reduces the number of scam calls being received by individuals in the long term. The call blocker can then be removed and installed in another home. The team is also warning people to be wary of energy bill scams, which may come through as text messages or emails. Scammers try to glean people's personal details and may even try to access or corrupt the device they are using. Councillor Ian Bevan, Cabinet Member for Public Health, said, The rise in living costs is putting pressures on some households and scammers will be there to take advantage. We have a dedicated scams unit within Trading Standards that will visit anyone who is subject to regular scam communication to raise awareness of scams and investigate scammers where possible. This team also installs free call blockers to anyone who is receiving a large number of scam calls to protect them from receiving future scam calls. To obtain a free call blocker, Dudley residents can contact Trading Standards on trading.standards at dudley.gov.uk or call 01384 818-871. Wolverhampton's historic central library will undergo a series of alterations in order to accommodate the new city learning quarter currently under development. Situated around Old Hall Street and St George's Parade, incorporating the site of the former Faces nightclub on the corner of Garrick Street and Bilston Street, the quarter will encompass the existing City College's Metro One campus and the Council's Adult Education Service as well as the Library. Listed building consent for the work was given the go-ahead by City Council bosses this week. The proposed development follows the demolition of property numbers 3, 5 and 7, St George's Parade, plus the former nightclub building. The work will span a total approximate area of 1.3 hectares. The new facilities will enable the City of Wolverhampton College to move from its outdated Paget Road site, which has been identified as land to build much-needed housing. Central Library is a Grade 2 listed building, and the College of Adult Education, known as Old Hall, is Grade 2 listed, with both making up the majority of the Old Hall conservation area. Alterations, restoration and repair work will include repointing, replacing bricks and terracotta, redecorations, roof repairs using new felt, stainless steel, zinc capping, zinc flashings, lead valleys and tiles, treatment with rust inhibitor and the replacement of rotten window frames and sills. The vision for the city learning quarter is to create a learning hub of flexible spaces in the city centre to meet the future needs of four key learning functions. The relocation of the City of Wolverhampton College, relocation of the Adult Education Services Department, modernization of Central Library, and the potential creation of a new sixth form centre. Free parking for visitors to a town hall in the Black Country has been reinstated after negotiations with Tesco after it was cut back. The Tesco Extra branch on Bell Street in Stourbridge had allowed people attending Stourbridge Town Hall to use their car park as part of a goodwill agreement. Theatre-goers could stay for two hours, initially three before it was reduced, but could often stay for the duration of the show as long as they informed the store. 
However, it was revealed earlier this year the arrangement had come to an end, with the supermarket citing customers not being able to find spaces. But now an agreement has been reached, after negotiations were called out by council bosses and Tesco to allow visitors to park for four hours between 6pm and 11pm and for two hours at any other time. Councillor Steve Clark, Deputy Leader of Dudley Council, said, We have successfully negotiated with Tesco to ensure visitors to the town hall can continue to use the car park. The town hall has thousands of visitors each year and is a long-standing entertainment venue, which plays a vital role in the town's nighttime economy. It has to be said that we were disappointed with the decision Tesco had made earlier this year, but we are pleased to have secured extended evening parking for residents, as this is when the majority of shows at the town hall take place. Now it's time to test your knowledge, as we have the quiz questions for this edition, and they're brought to us by Mina. Hello and welcome to this week's road-themed flashback quiz. All the answers you need can be found later in Flashback Rogers' Did You Know feature. But for now, here are your questions. Are you ready? Question 1. What is the name of the oldest road in Britain? Question 2. Who invented tarmac roads? Question 3. How long is Highway 1 in Australia? Question 4. Which of Australia's state capitals is not linked by Highway 1? Question 5. In what year was the Whitney on Way toll bridge built? And finally, question 6. What was never built on the M1? As always, I'll be back to reveal the answers later in the show. But for now, good luck. Just those questions, Mina. I'll give those a ponder. Up now then, we have a new block of local news. And starting this one off, it's Liz. A black country borough has become the first in the region to secure funding for an innovative carbon busting project. Dudley Council has been awarded £1.65 million through the West Midlands Combined Authorities Net Zero Neighbourhood Fund and is working with Equans on the community-based pilot project which will focus on more than 300 homes in the Brockmore area. The project will trial an area-based approach which will be looking at retrofitting homes with energy-efficient technology and making green spaces, public buildings and transport links more sustainable. The aim is to create a low-carbon community which offers financial benefits through energy savings. Some of the measures used could include retrofitting loft, cavity and solid wall insulation, wider energy schemes such as polar PV schemes, electric vehicle street charging points, community food growing initiatives and nature-based solutions such as green roofs. Dudley Council will soon start a consultation about the proposals with residents and the community in the selected area. Councillor Patrick Harley, leader of Dudley Council, said 
This is a fantastic opportunity to make big changes in Brockmore to benefit our residents and the wider community. I am delighted we are the first area in the region to be granted funding under this scheme. This project is about thinking outside the box and looking at how we can collectively reduce our carbon emissions across a wider area and save money for our residents. We all know the seriousness of the climate crisis and the need to make changes to the way we live. This is about making changes on a community-wide scale to have a greater impact. We're really excited to get this pilot project off the ground and we hope that if it proves successful, we'll be able to roll it out to other areas. More than 100 extra apartments will be built under new plans for Wolverhampton's historic Beatties development in the city centre if backed. Wolverhampton Council Chiefs signed off on proposals for 306 apartments at the former store and a multi-storey car park in early March last year. But now it has been revealed the car park on Skinner Street and School Street will instead be knocked down to make way for 145 apartments. It is understood the gorgeous nightclub could be relocated elsewhere within the Beatties development, but the details have not yet been finalised. The car park had been earmarked for 33 flats, with the change meaning an extra 112 will be built there to bring the overall number to 418 homes. Councillor Stephen Simkins, Deputy Leader for Wolverhampton Council and Cabinet Member for City Economy said, We're actively encouraging more homes in the city centre. We want to utilise these spaces and if you use it as housing, you've got an active market in the city centre. So it creates not only housing, but also provides a boost to the local economy and city centre living is on the up. It will be made up of 104 one-bedroom flats, 23 two-bedroom and 18 three-bedroom apartments built under the plans from SSYS Beatties Limited. Don't let this magnificent, special, historic place at the heart of Sedgley become abandoned and neglected again. That is the plea of the now former secretary of a Sedgley group set up to transform an historic graveyard. She has now resigned to allow her the freedom to criticise the council. The site of Gospel End Street not only is a special place for residents to remember loved ones, but has a wealth of history including war graves and others of historic importance. Lizzie Templeton, along with fellow volunteers of All Saints Graveyard Committee, have transformed the graveyard, but were recently locked out by Dudley Council and has resigned to vent her frustration. After locking the group out of the graveyard for their own safety in July, the council relented and allowed them back on the site. However, now the group cannot continue their work unless they pay for another ecology survey. She said, I am no longer a committee member. I can say things as I see them. The council, in my view, do not support the work of the group. At a recent meeting I attended, they said an eco-survey was necessary so the work of the group could be planned around the wildlife, plants and habitat. The group would be responsible for funding this survey. I questioned why the group would be responsible, 
given we are simply volunteers, not caretakers of the site. They are. She added, they have done less than nothing since 2007. We have war graves and other graves of historic significance and a wealth of history, if in view, that needs to be loved, looked after and preserved. Don't let this magnificent, special, historic place at the heart of Sedgley become abandoned and neglected again. The council would love nothing more, as it would mean they don't have to spend money, for example, on memorials. They need to say what they plan to do with the site. Bilston Town Football Club has been given the go-ahead to build a new car park on land adjacent to its Queen Street ground. Wolverhampton Council planners this week granted approval for the clearance of an overgrown stretch of ground off Lunt Road for use as match day parking. The less than one acre site will be used by the club under a community asset land transfer from the council. The land is set within predominantly residential and commercial properties and is currently open scrubland with areas of fly tipping, domestic waste and knotweed growth and clearance is considered a priority. It is also located within the abandoned South Staffordshire coalfield area. Councillor Steve Simpkins, who represents the area on the authority, said the fact that the club is getting its first proper car park at the football ground is fantastic news and hopefully the first of many developments to take place there. We aim high in Bilston and our aspirations are to expand the ground further and hopefully get to the stage where we can have a full stadium. The team can then be built on and further improved. The club already has a great following and this new car park will allow for even more visitors to get to the ground and park safely in a secure setting. A restaurant owner has been ordered to pay £4,000 after admitting breaching food and hygiene standards. Dudley Council's Environmental Health brought a case against Nadim Ahmed, proprietor of the new Walheath Tandoori, after finding so many issues with its food hygiene rating plummeted from 4 to 0. On the 21st of September, Dudley Magistrates Court heard that when visiting the restaurant on High Street in Bullheath in August last year, environmental health officers found a number of failings, including evidence of pest activity and poor pest proofing in the external food storeroom. The High Street premises was not maintained in a clean condition. The documented food safety management system had not been reviewed and implemented, and the new owner had failed to register the food business. This reduced the re- restaurant's rating on the Food Standards Agency's food hygiene rating system from 4 out of 5 to 0, the lowest possible score. A follow-up visit was undertaken approximately one month later to ensure conditions had improved, with the business now having to having a rating of 4 once again. In court, Ahmed's representatives explained how he had put measures in place to rectify the issues and the restaurant had received an updated score for of four out of five in January this year. The magistrates said they recognised the hard work and effort made by Ahmed and reduced the fine he ordered to pay by half. He was fined £2,000 for one of the charges, ordered to pay costs of £1,800 and a victim surcharge of £200. Up now, we hear from Tim, who reveals to us what kids want to know about sight loss. TNF Soundings. Features from across the UK. Guide Dog in the Classroom. 
In a recent survey, the charity Guide Dogs asked 1,000 primary school children aged 6 to 11 years old and their parents what children would like to know about sight loss, and the results were surprising. Despite children's natural curiosity, 44% of their parents said their children had never asked them about disability, such as being blind or partially sighted, and 57% of children admitted they were worried about talking to blind or partially sighted people about their disability. Guide Dogs decided to tackle this challenge head-on and arrange for a visually impaired woman, Siobhan Mead, to visit primary school classrooms, inviting the pupils to ask any questions they wanted. Guide Dogs has released a delightful, light-hearted video of these meetings, which is now available on their website and on YouTube, and it gives an insight into what children really want to know about being blind. Siobhan, who lost her sight at 16 and who now works for the Guide Dogs charity, brought along her own guide dog, Marty, to join the children in the classroom, and the kids were encouraged to ask anything about sight loss that they wanted to know. Children from Wellholm Academy in Grimsby, Lincolnshire, and Kingston Primary School in Benfleet, Essex, were ready with a series of questions for Siobhan, including whether blind and partially sighted people dream in colour, and whether they ever get lost. Asked by one of the children if she could dream, Siobhan said, I do dream, and I dream in colour. That means that when I'm dreaming, I can see, which is really cool. The young children could not hold back their excitement as they asked Siobhan how she knew where her guide dog Marty had been to the toilet. Marty, she said, has a special area where I can take him to go to the toilet, and I have a special command I have to give him to go to the toilet. But I don't want to say it too loud, because I don't want him to go to the toilet in here. That wouldn't be nice, would it? To accompany the video, guide dogs revealed the results of their survey of the children, listing the most popular questions. These included how much can you see, how do you choose your clothes, how do you recognise people, and do you understand what colours are. A third of children wanted to know what a blind or partially sighted person sees when they dream. Siobhan said those without disabilities are naturally curious about how those with disabilities live their lives. Not just kids, but adults too. However, adults are perhaps more likely to feel uneasy addressing people from the blind or visually impaired community, possibly due to limited interaction with people with those impairments. Siobhan says this is why meeting the children is so important. It's a really wonderful opportunity to shape perceptions in a positive and accurate way, and, of course, introduce them to Guide Dog Marty. Lisa Petrie, Guide Dog's Head of Children and Young People Service Development, added... Vision impairment is a massively growing issue in the UK. Every day, 250 more people join the 2 million already living with sight loss, and this number is set to double by 2050. Guide Dogs is here to help people with sight loss live the life they choose. This is part of the motivation for us visiting the schools. We want to raise awareness and educate children on the breadth and depth of our services that go far beyond our beloved Guide Dogs. We're working tirelessly to increase awareness of the work we do and the support we offer to the public, including young people. You'll find the video on the Guide Dogs website at www.guidedogs.org.uk and search for Kids Ask the Funniest Things. It's available on YouTube too, under the same heading. TNS Soundings You're listening to the Black Country Talking News. Up now, we have our final block of local news. 
And starting this one off, it's Liz. A chain maker who has helped keep tradition alive at the Black Country Living Museum for 30 years is finally hanging up his hammer to take an early retirement. Kevin Lowe started at the Dudley-based attraction in 1992 as a volunteer, and when the opportunity came for him to learn how to forge chains and nails, he eagerly took it on. But now he has said his goodbye after playing a pivotal role at the site in passing on his skills to a whole host of new chain makers before he left. Kevin said his favourite thing about chain making was being able to pass on the skills as well as enjoying the job and the people. I've never woken up in the morning and not wanted to go to work. He said his lasting impressions of the museum were friendly staff and watching the site develop before adding, don't worry, I'm going to come back. I want a pint in the Elephant and Castle and I will have some fish and chips, which I haven't done for a very long time. His role was pivotal in creating the immersive environment the museum is known for. And as a metal worker, principally a chain maker, he demonstrated on a daily basis one of the many crafts which anchored the black country to the centre of the Industrial Revolution. Metal worker Sebastian Seb Edwards was trained by Kevin, having joined as a volunteer several years ago. He said, Not many people can say they are a chain maker, a black country chain maker. To be one of the rare few to make chain at BCLM while learning from Kev and subsequently the people that he learnt from makes me more connected to the history of the black country. It'll be a real shame to see him gone, but no one ever really leaves the museum. They always come back to visit because it's like being part of a family. There's been a drop in the number of treasure discoveries across the region, according to government statistics. Figures released by the Ministry of Justice for 2021 show a drop in discoveries across the black country in Staffordshire, with none being found at all in Dudley, Sandwell, Warsaw or Wolverhampton. This was in line with the year before, according to the Black Country Coroner's Court, though one treasure trove has been found in the area since records began in 1995. In South Staffordshire, detectorists discovered treasure 17 times in 2021, could the South Staffordshire's Coroner's Court, which is responsible for holding treasure inquests, a drop of 20 from the year before, and 233 have been found in South Staffordshire since 1995. There were 908 finds reported in England and Wales, an increase of 13% on 2020, where 803 finds were reported, but down from the record 1,061 found in 2019. Institute of Detectorists said finding treasure gives historians a valuable insight into the past, but encouraged hobbyists to practice responsible metal detecting. Keith Westcott, founder of the Institute of Detectorists, said, Beyond the fascination which surrounds treasure and monetary rewards is an important value of detecting finds, a historical value which provides a valuable insight into our past. Often, though, the archaeological record which surrounds the find, the information that gives it context, is damaged or ignored. He encouraged amateurs to follow responsible metal detecting and leave important finds in place ready to be excavated by archaeologists. Wolverhampton is gearing up to celebrate its annual Diwali gathering, the Festival of Lights, which will be held at the city's Phoenix Park later this month. 
Hosted by the Elias Matu Foundation, the event, which attracts thousands of visitors every year, will be held in the park off Dudley Road, Blakenhall, on Saturday, October 22nd, between 4pm and 8.30pm. The foundation, set up in memory of much-loved former Wolverhampton Mayor and City Councillor Elias Matu, helps local communities in need by delivering food parcels. Councillor Steve Evans, Cabinet Member for City Environment and Climate Change, said, This is a fantastic free event for all the family, featuring top quality entertainment and a brilliant firework display. We encourage everyone to come along and celebrate this important date in the city's calendar. Councillor Jackie Sweetman said, We are truly blessed in Wolverhampton. Not only do we have a strong and diverse community, but we know how to celebrate it. Diwali is an important part of our celebration of light. It is even part of our city's motto. I wish all my constituents a happy Diwali. Blakenhall councillor Paul Birch added, I am really pleased to see the Diwali celebrations organised for the second year by the Elias Matu Foundation. The festival is for everyone to enjoy and celebrates community togetherness and light out of darkness, which references the city of Wolverhampton's motto, I wish everyone a very happy Diwali. The lights will be switched on at 8pm, followed straight away by the firework display. The event is supported by the Indian Multicultural Society, Sri Krishnan Mandir, Guru Dwaha, Sikh Council and Gujarati Association. A seven-year-old boy with a need for speed is flying the black country flag all over the country by competing in a motorbike racing championship. Kalen Ratcliffe, riding his Blatter Mini Moto 49cc, which can travel up to 40 miles an hour, has taken the cool fab British Mini Moto championship by storm. It is the first year that the youngster is competing in the competition, but he is seemingly improving with every round, with his next race being on Saturday. His parents, Tom and Claire Ratcliffe, who both live in the Sedgley area, have been left so proud with his progression and his dedication to the sport. Claire, aged 39, said, Kalen's dad, Tom, builds and rides motorbikes. He did a couple of years in racing before Kalen started, so he would watch his dad on the track. We've got a motorbike in our kitchen. Motorbikes are everywhere, so he's been brought up around them. His older brother Roman, aged 10, started riding and did a couple of races in motocross. And when Kalen turned five, he asked if he could get on his brother's motorbike. And then his brother decided he was happy to be part of the pit crew and Kalen continued riding and went from there really at the age of five. He started in the championship this year and we expected him to be at the back because there's about 25 kids on the grid. We said it's his first race year, let him play around to get used to it. And he went from 16 to 15 to 8th and to 5th and last round he was battling with a championship leader. It's held all over the country. His last round was in Cumbria and next round is in Suffolk. There's a round in Wales, another in Kent and the closest one to us is in Northampton. So it's all over. And he literally does fly the black country flag all over the country. Wolverhampton's historic Whittock Manor is to open a new greenhouse in its grounds which will be used to provide horticultural classes for visitors. 
The Victorian Manor House, a major tourist attraction, has been owned by the National Trust since 1937 and draws thousands of visitors all year round. Renowned for its magnificent gardens and grounds, the property hosts at regular community events to allow people to learn more about its history. The latest move to enhance the site with a new greenhouse for the benefit of visitors has been given the go-ahead this week. A statement from the National Trust, which was submitted alongside a planning application, said a greenhouse at Whittick Manor will enable round-the-year propagation within an area of garden which is used as a working area. This area of garden is not routinely open to members of the public, and the greenhouse would therefore be a behind-the-scenes addition. It will largely conserve the appearance of Whittick Manor itself, as well as other surrounding listed buildings, and thus the conservation area. Whittick Manor was built by Theodore Mander of the Mander family, who were, the, who were successful 19th century industrialists in the area. It was designed by Edward Old of Liverpool in two phases, the first completed in 1887 and an extension added in 1893. Up now, it's trivia time, brought to us by Flashback Roger and his Did You Know feature. Hello again everyone. Well I've just come back from visiting my sister-in-law and family who have lived just outside Windsor since the 1970s. Back then it used to take nearly four hours of driving but now thankfully it's a mere two and a half hours tops thanks to the M40. So did you know that? The oldest road in Britain is the Ridgeway dating back more than 5,000 years and stretching from Wiltshire to Berkshire. Our modern motorways took their time though. Beginning in 1958 with the 8 mile long M6 Preston Bypass which is two lanes each way and had neither a central reservation barrier nor a speed limit. Without Edgar Hooley though we would still be driving along dirt tracks instead of tarmac roads as tarmac roads were his invention in 1901. Edgar Hooley noticed a smooth area of road next to an ironworks he asked the workers what had happened and was told that a barrel of tar had burst. A year later he patented the process of heating tar and adding stones to create tarmac. And highway number one of Australia has a length of 14,500 kilometres, that's 9,000 miles. It's the longest national highway in the world. It can be considered a giant ring road as it except for a few shortcuts to the north follows the entire coastline of mainland Australia and joins all of the state capitals other than Canberra. And latest data suggests that if all the UK's potholes were joined together they would make a single hole measuring 295 square miles or twice the size of the Isle of Wight. Road maintenance in England and Wales is said to be underfunded by £1 billion a year. So at the current levels, the average frequency of roads resurfacing in England is once every 54 years, in Wales, once every 107 years. And if you want to cash in on a road of your own, well, you need a bridge with a road over it. The Whitney on White Old Bridge in Herefordshire was built in 1769. It crosses the River Wye and saves a long road journey. It's exempt from tax and brings in an annual income of £100,000. The present owners purchased it for £400,000 in 2012. 
toll fee, however, can only be increased by the government's permission. And believe it or not, there is no Junction 3 on the M1. Bizarrely, the junctions on the M1 jump from Junction 2 near Finchley to Junction 4 near, near Elstree, with no Junction 3 in the middle. This is because when the road was constructed, the plan was to add Junction 3 when the link road to the A1 had been built. But this link road was cancelled, meaning there was simply no need for another exit. Well, that's quite a history. And moan about them as we must, they're still a great advantage to everyday travel here on our island. Though I'm sure we could all share our own funny or horror stories about one trip or another. But any road up, I'm off to read my new copy of the Highway Code. Because my one from 1980 surely needs a bit of updating by now, do you think? So for this week then, I love and leave you and say, ta-ra a bit, ta-ra. Cheers for that, Roger. Insightful as always. Up now then, we're over into the football news. Hello, I'm Ian and here's your latest football news. Wolves have sacked head coach Bruno Large after 16 months in charge. The club have acted quickly after Saturday's poor 2-0 defeat away at West Ham, which leaves Wolves in the relegation zone with just one win from the first eight Premier League games. Large has been under pressure with his side scoring just three goals in those eight games, with the mood among the fan base turning sour in recent weeks, particularly after the defeat to the Hammers. The 46-year-old had a good start to life at Wolves last season as the club challenged for European football before a terrible end to the season saw them slip to 10th. Despite a big turnover in players this summer, that poor run continued into this season as Wolves have won just one game in the last 15 across both seasons. The Wolves board did not meet on Saturday evening after the loss to West Ham but conversations began on Sunday with Large's future in doubt. In a club statement... Chairman Jeff Shee thanked Large for his service. Bruno is an excellent coach, a hard-working and dedicated manager, and a warm, wise and honest man, he said. He and his staff have been a pleasure to work with throughout their time at Wolves, so it is with much sadness that we have had to make what has been a difficult decision. I honestly have no doubts about Bruno's ability, and I am sure he will succeed elsewhere. However, the team's form and performances over the last few months mean that we have no choice but to act. On behalf of everyone at Wolves, I would like to place on record our gratitude to Bruno and his coaching team for all their efforts during their time with the club and wish them the very best for the future. Wolves slipped into the relegation zone as a lacklustre display saw them taste defeat at West Ham. The visitors made a good start and had some early sights of goal, but a team struggling for goals continued that trend. West Ham took the lead through Gianluca Scamaccia, who notched his first Premier League goal with a superb strike from the edge of the box. Wolves fell back into old habits and never came close to laying a glove on West Ham, and Jarrod Bowen's strike early in the second half killed off their hopes. They did create some half chances in the second 45, but nowhere near enough to warrant a comeback, as Wolves fell to their fourth Premier League defeat in eight games. Pressure continues to pile on Albion boss Steve Bruce after his side somehow succumbed to a topsy-turvy 3-2 home defeat to Swansea. Michael Oberfemi struck an 89th-minute winner 
to earn the South Wales visitors a comeback victory after the Baggies had themselves turned around a half-time deficit to lead. Carlan Grant saw a tame penalty saved 10 minutes from time, with the score locked at 2-2 in what was Albion's guilt-edged chance at a priceless win to ease the doubts. But the late drama leaves Albion with just a single victory from 11 championship games in what a nightmarish and disastrous start to a run of fixtures billed as crucial to Bruce remaining in his post as Albion boss. Cries of sacked in the morning poured out from sections of the home crowd as swans led at the death, as deafening boos ran out at half-time and full-time. Albion stay 21st in the championship at the start of a massive week, including fixtures against Preston and Luton, with the dark clouds over the club refusing to clear. Speaking after the match, Bruce said, We've had a poor start. One win in 11 is nowhere near acceptable. When I look around me and see all these managers going, we all understand the game. Of course we do. I'm not going to give up yet. He added on talks with Chief Executive Ron Gourlay, or owner Guachan Lai. No, it's just a case of getting on with my job. Absolutely. One year ago today marked the end of Albion's 10-game unbeaten run to start the championship season for the first time in the club's history. And Bruce referenced that run under previous boss Valerian Ismail when asked about the fans' frustration and toxic atmosphere, including chants about the sack at the Hawthorns. I can understand their frustration, he added. It's been there since I walked through the door. They've been great towards me, don't get me wrong, but there's a frustration, you can feel it. That's been borne by the results since. Well, take away the first 10 games of last season, they haven't seen enough wins in two years. There lies the anger. I can fully get it. They want to see their team win. We've got good enough players to win football matches, but we're not doing that at the minute. Up now, we have to hear what the weather has in store for us. Brought to us as always by Mina. The weather for the week ahead is going to be mostly overcast with the occasional spot of rain. Temperatures will be typically hovering around 15 degrees. UV levels are expected to be low throughout the week. The sunrise and sunset times are 7.28am for the sunrise and 18.21pm for the sunset. For Friday 7th of October, we have light rain showers and a moderate breeze with a maximum temperature of 16 degrees. Moving on to Saturday 8th of October, we have sunny moments and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 15 degrees. On Sunday 9th of October, we have light rain and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 16 degrees. For Monday 10th of October through to Wednesday 13th of October, we have light cloud and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 15 degrees. And for Thursday 13th of October, it's light rain and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 15 degrees. So, that's your forecast for this week. As always, enjoy the weather. Up now with the Beacon Lifestyle Newsletter for October, providing you with all the information of the goings-on, events and activities taking place here at the Beacon Centre. Hiya and welcome to the October Beacon Lifestyle Newsletter. 
Hope you are all great and I hope you've had a fabulous September. The month has absolutely flown by. I can't wait for the autumn colours to start showing in nature. It is one of my favourite times of the year. Plus we have Strictly and Bake Off. What more would we want? I have been inspired by our lifestyle team members to explore a new crafty hobby. So any ideas, please send my way. I'm thinking either photography or diamond painting or knitting. It is just so important for our mental health that we have hobbies and engage in new activities. We're encouraged to eat well and we're encouraged to move, but we need our social interaction and a sense of achievement too. I currently love doing cross-stitching, creating cards or writing letters, but I need a new hobby, I think. Please make sure you keep talking and keep smiling. There's always someone out there that cares. So let's get starting new hobbies together. Don't forget on October the 13th, it is Bright for Sight Day. It's raising awareness about sight loss by wearing bright colours. Hope to see many of you around the centre wearing lots of bright colours. Take care and see you soon. Bye. Now here are a few little notes and reminders about our Sedgley and Stourbridge Lifestyle Centres. Our Sedgley Centre is open Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays, 10am to 3pm. We also have monthly coffee mornings. We do fun activities such as pottery, sewing, arts and crafts, quizzes and much more besides. Why not contact Kim or Sally for more information? We can't wait to meet you. Just call 01902 880 And our Stourbridge Centre is open Tuesdays 10am to 3pm and Thursday 9am to 2pm. Why not join us? We'd love to see you. Contact Dawn for more information. Simply call 01902 880 And don't forget, Beacon can provide transport to and from both centres if required. What's on this month? We have had so much interest in the swimming that we have decided to put two swimming sessions on this month. Different days, so hopefully more people can make it. Anyone who is interested, please phone or email, as I know many of you would like to come, but would like more reassurance. We have two private lanes, guides to lead you to and from the cubicles and to the pool. We have a qualified swimming instructor and volunteers supporting you in the water. We also have swimming aids. If you would like more information, please don't hesitate to contact Mary. Our sessions take place at the Burt Williams Centre. This month, they will take place on Wednesday 12th of October 11am to 12 and Monday 31st of October 11am to 12. All abilities are welcome. Sessions will be cancelled if not enough people book. Trip cost £5, invoiced by Beacon. Minibus cost £5. Depart at 10.10am, Beacon to Bilston and back at 1.30pm. Lockers are £1 or a trolley coin. Call 01902 880 111. Gentle movement class. Gentle seated or standing class working the whole body, £4.50 per session. Fun, friendly class to music, limited places. This takes place on Wednesday 26th of October 10.30am to 11.30am in the gym at Sedgley. To book, simply call 01902 
880-111. Upcoming trips. On Friday the 7th of October, discover the magical journey through limestone tunnels over 428 million years old, which were handmade by black country folk from years gone by. Be amazed by the caverns, learn about the materials and listen to the commentary from the skipper. Leaving at 11am, we have a table booked at 12.15pm for refreshments at the Canal Side Cafe on our return at the Dudley Canal Trust, Birmingham New Road, Dudley. Trip cost is £9.45 to £10, depending on age, and is pay on the day. Minibus cost £5. Departing at 10.15am, Beacon to Dudley Canal Trust, back for 2pm. To book, call 01902 880 Time to start Christmas shopping? Why not join us for a trip to the Merry Hill Shopping Centre on Monday the 14th of November? This is an independent trip. You will be free to browse endless shops, refuel at the food outlets, all indoors. If you feel you need support, friends and family are welcome. We have limited guides available. Meeting at the Argos and Marks and Spencer entrance at 10am. Trip cost free. Minibus cost £5, departing at 9.30am, Beacon to Merry Hill, pick up from Merry Hill at 1.30pm and back for 2pm. To book, call 01902 Are you interested in running? We have a trained volunteer running guide who would love to support you. Do you want to get fit? Do you want to train for a 5k? Whatever your aim, get in touch. Email mary on mspires at beaconvision.org What's on this month? Tandem. Join us for a tandem bike ride at Bobbington Airport and the surrounding roads on Monday the 10th of October and Friday the 21st of October at 10.30am. Bikes provided. Trained, experienced lead riders will support you. No cafe on a Monday. Trip cost free. Minibus cost £7. Depart at 10am. Beacon to Bobbington and back at 1.30pm. Weather permitting. Walking. We are walking round Bantock Park on Friday the 28th of October. Take it at your own pace and your distance. Cafe for refreshments, volunteer guides are available. Meeting on the car park off Finchfield Road, Wolverhampton, minibus cost £5. Depart at 10.30am, beacon to Bantock and back at 1.30pm. Weather permitting. Fishing. Test out your fishing skills at Albrighton Moat. Equipment can be provided. Wednesday the 19th of October at 11am. Trip cost £8. Pay at moat on the day. Minibus cost £7. Depart at 10.30am. Beacon to Albrighton and back at 2pm. Weather permitting. 10-pin bowling. Book for bowling on Friday the 21st of October at 11am. 
All abilities welcome, friendly and fun atmosphere, taking place at Castlegate Dudley. Trip cost £6.45, two games, pay at the bowling alley. Minibus cost £5, depart at 10.30am, beacon to Castlegate and back at 2pm. In addition, if you are interested in joining the British Blind Sport Bowling Winter League, please contact Mary. All these activities must be booked in advance. To do so, call 01902 880 Hi everybody. This month we are learning about Carson and she works in our office at Sedgelow. She is a health and wellbeing support manager working behind the scenes across the health and wellbeing services. As part of her role, she also manages the Beacon Transport Services. She loves her job as it is different every day and she loves the different challenges. Two days are never the same. It keeps her motivated by knowing what she helps makes a difference to our service users and she takes her pride in her role. If you are around the centre and do see Carson, please say hello to her. She loves interacting with everyone. If you or your friends or family or work need a minibus, you know where she is. She loves to help the community and our transport is for everybody. So why not contact her and hire one of their minibuses? Drivers are provided. Contact the Beacon. If you need a bit of help with reading, have you thought about trying a video magnifier? A video magnifier is where you look at reading material through a screen. Now, video magnifiers come in different sizes, so they can have small handheld magnifiers, small enough that you can take out with you, through to large desktop magnifiers that you keep permanently on a desk or a table. So... A video magnifier, you can change magnification levels. So if your eyesight changes, you can press a button and increase the magnification level, or you can decrease the magnification level. The other advantage of a video magnifier is you can change contrast or backgrounds. So you might be looking at something in true color, but press a button, turn it into black and white, press the button again, turn it into reverse. So it's white writing on a black background. Press the button again and then again for different combinations. They can be yellow and black, black on yellow, blue on yellow. It's whatever suits you. It's whatever works for you. So there's lots of flexibility with a video magnifier. You can adjust the brightness on them as well. And some you can store pictures on there and some have reading lines to make it easy for you to follow text whilst you're reading. So if you are struggling a little bit, maybe a video magnifier could be the answer. Now, if you'd like to try one, you can here at Beacon. Just give us a call and make an appointment and bring something in with you that you struggle to read with and just try it and see if it helps you. So if you'd like to try a video magnifier, give us a call at Beacon on 01902 880 111 and ask for a sight loss advisor. So if you'd like an appointment to try a video magnifier, it's 01902 880 111. Hello there, it's your gardening guru.
speaking with gardening news and tips for October. First of all, it's time to tidy up your lawn. Firstly, scarify with a lawn rack or fork and then aerate to improve the drainage. A supplementary feed with a low nitrogen, high phosphate and potassium feed will help the roots to develop in the winter to improve the lawn for the next spring. Next, outdoor plants, bring in any tender plants from the garden into the greenhouse or conservatory to shelter from the frost, e.g. aeoniums and pelagoniums after cutting back. Allotment, time to sow Japanese onion sets, garlic and broad beans by the end of the month. Also, prepare for winter digging by tidying up your plot and weeding Alternatively, sow green manure, e.g. field beans, mustard or clover to increase your soil fertility for the next year. Don't forget you must dig them in before they flower in the spring. Planting. You can now plant wallflowers, sweet williams and late cabbages outside and keep sowing your daffodils in the borders and pots during this month. You should still be harvesting your tomatoes, chilies, squashes, etc. as required at the end of the season. For your indoor plants, it's time to stop feeding for the winter and decrease the watering. And stop all watering for your succulents. You can still sow some winter lettuce indoors from the greenhouse. And it's time to sow sweet peas in root trainers for early flowering brooms next May and June. That's all for this month. Goodbye. Beacon VIP Group. We're a group of working age people or people who just live independently with sight loss that meet once a month for a social gathering. We're a friendly bunch that like to try new activities, build friendships and encourage others to live life to the full. This month we are meeting on Wednesday the 26th of October at 6pm for a curry and quiz night. Cherie has on the menu curry, chips, rice, onion barges, poppadums and chutney for just 5 quid. Jamie is also providing the quiz so get swatting up. Please ensure you book in advance for the curry. Simply call 01902 880 111. Beacon Gym Rob is our gym instructor and personal trainer. He can support you to set individual plans and work with you to achieve your goals, whether that be fitness, weight loss or mobility. Why not book your free induction? You can use the gym as part of the lifestyle package or individually. The costs are individual gym use unsupervised is £4.50 an hour, individual gym use supervised is £10 an hour, Gym membership unsupervised is £20 a month and gym membership supervised is £40 a month. And golf. Do you want to learn to play? Do you want to improve your swing? We have six hours worth of coaching free for you. The Mark Butler Gold Academy based just outside Sedgley would love to welcome you and support your needs. To find out more and to book your place call 01902 880 111. What services do Beacon provide? Fab Lab, based at Sedgley, 
we offer a personalised gift service. T-shirts, key rings, mugs and much more. We also give people digital and design skills through modern techniques. Sight loss advisors and low vision. We offer information, advice and guidance to support people with visual impairments in a range of areas including social life, home life, daily living, aids and adaptations. Befriending. We offer a telephone befriending and home visiting service to provide support and companionship for people with sight loss. Talking News. A free service which is produced each week to help people keep in touch with the community. Local news, weather and events delivered to your door. Care. A 24-7 care team on site at Beacon Court and in the community. IT and digital tech support. Help to give information and training with tablets, phones, software and products. Employment support. Helping people with sight loss find work or training and improve their lives. Transport services. We operate five minibuses which help people get to our centres as well as out and about in the community. Available for private hire with a driver. Charity shops. We have seven charity shops in the region. We offer a house clearance and furniture delivery service also. Hospitality facilities. At our Sedgley base, we have a coffee bar and restaurant which is open to everyone in the community and can be hired out for private functions. If you would like further information about any of the services that B can provide, please contact our reception. You can do this via 01902 880 Hope you've enjoyed listening and reading to October's newsletter. I really hope there are some activities that you want to join in in. Don't forget we have accommodation at Beacon Court. And if you do need to contact us, we are on Wolverhampton Road East, Wolverhampton, WV46AZ. Or the website is www.beaconvision.org. We're also on Facebook at Beacon Centre and at Twitter at Beacon Centre. And you can phone us on 01902 880 111. Hope to see you soon. Take care, lovelies. Have you done any good at the quiz this week? Well, now's the time to find out, as we have the quiz answers. Hello, and here are your answers for this week's flashback quiz. Are you ready? Question 1. What is the name of the oldest road in Britain? Answer. The Ridgeway. Question 2. Who invented tarmac roads? And the answer here is... Edgar Hooley. Question 3. How long is Highway 1 in Australia? And the answer here is 9,000 miles or 14,500 kilometres. Question 4. Which of the Australia's state capitals is not linked to the Highway 1? And the answer, Canberra. Question 5. In what year was the Whitney on Way toll bridge built? And the answer here is 1769. And finally, question 6. What was never built on the M1? And the answer here is Junction 3. How did you do? Great, I hope. But if not, there's always another chance. 
to have a go next week. Now, did you get the answer to this week's Guess the Sound question that Rob asked at the start of the show? Here's one more chance to hear it before I tell you the answer. The sound you just heard was a recording of a spray bottle. Now to end this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News, we have a poem. TNF Soundings. Features from across the UK. A little whimsical poetry now from our subscriber and our generous donor of poetry, Sid Oates. I'm Roger Brooks, and our thanks to Sid for Finding the Land of Dreams. It was on the eve of St Crispin's Day when I apt to meet this fella, with a long white feather in his hat, carrying a rolled-up umbrella, and by his side a ginger cat with one eye of emerald green, with six-inch whiskers on his face and the longest tail I've ever seen. The sun was shining in the east in a warm October sky, framed in periwinkle blue with white clouds scurrying by. They cast long shadows on the ground that blocked the opaque glare like ghostly apparitions, mesmerised my transfixed stare. I could tell by their demeanour that they held an assured pose, trustworthy in their outlook, not befitting of their clothes, sang-froid in their composure, with character and bearing, far from the persona of the rags that they were wearing. His coat was worn and threadbare, with fabric wearing thin, with buttons of different colours that went up to his chin. His boots were old and down at heel, in need of dire repair. Beneath his ragged bowler hat, long upswept, tasselled hair. The old cat's face was greying now, though he moved with regal grace, resplendent in his majesty, expeditious as he walked apace. Inseparable from his master, unswerving in his trust, bedraggled from their travels, and head to tail in dust. "'Good day,' said I. "'Good day,' said he. "'How do you find the day?' "'We're trying to find the land of dreams, but seem to have lost our way.' And as I gazed upon the scene, the stranger nodded his consent. His voice was soft as eiderdown, but sure in its intent. "'We haven't slept for a hundred years, myself and my old friend. We've searched for years through many lands, but found no journey's end. Our search so far, so tiresome, an unremitting obligation.' Like the curse of Sisyphus, the cause of our frustration. We've walked beyond the mountains and left the beaten track, sailed in packet steamers to Zanzibar and back. We've done so many wondrous things that no one else has done, and traversed the equator to end where we'd begun. We sat upon the grassy verge and drank of nature's wine, suspended in the moment, unmoving now the hands of time. The turning of the solstice and the coming of the morning, just three weary travellers awaiting a new day dawning. We spoke of all the wondrous things that filled us with delight, consistent with our fellowship 
as daytime turned to night. A skylark's song on a summer's day, the stars in winter's sky, the first words spoken by a child, that soft look of love in their eyes. And now the glorious sun was set, replaced by waxing moon, invoking new beginnings, that change would be here soon. As thoughts of my cold pillow pass softly through my head, in the river of oblivion at ease on feathered bed, and as we lay our weary heads a smile came to his face. The cat, myself, and my new friend had found that wondrous place. We could feel the wings of Morpheus, like Zephyrs from the gods, to reach the eternal summit and conquer all the odds. And as we walked in the land of dreams, we imagined those magical things, fantastic dreams of wonderment, of gods, heroes, and kings. Each step we took victorious, our burden now forsaken, bestowed the gift of Ovid that time could not awaken. But in the morning I awoke to find my friends had gone. The three that slumbered through the night awoke to be just one. But as I gazed where we had lain, I saw to my surprise a long white feather lying there before my very eyes. I held my breath in disbelief as I gazed upon the scene. At the flattened grass upon the verge where my two friends had been, and I knew in that very moment that their journey was at an end, that long-tailed, one-eyed ginger cat and my bowler-hatted friend. No place was there more sacred than the one that they had found, discharged from their necropolis, their once consecrated ground, their odyssey now over, to inhabit with the dead, to find a final resting place where only angels tread. TNS Soundings So that's it for another edition of the Black Country Talking News. A reminder to our CD listeners who have received CDs in padded envelopes that you don't need to send anything back to us. If you have a sight loss tip or someone you would like to wish a happy birthday to, just say hello to. Maybe even a poem or talking book you would like reviewed, then please get in touch with us at the Beacon Centre. Call 01902 880 Email bctn at beaconvision.org or write to us at the Black Country Talking News, Beacon, Wolverhampton Road East, Wolverhampton, WV4 6AZ. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening and thank you to all our supporters, donators and volunteers who without their support will be unable to run this free service. Please note the information and views expressed in this recording does not necessarily represent the views of Beacon or Talking News and were accurate at the time of recording. Mentions of goods and services does not imply endorsement and whilst every care is taken to supply accurate information, Beacon and Talking News do not undertake liability for any errors. So it's goodbye from all of us, stay safe, have a good week and we look forward to bringing you next week's edition of the Black Country Talking News. Ta-ra!